0: On today's episode, I'm really excited to invite on Kevin, who was a client of mine who went through my program and he's found tremendous success. So I wanted to have him on and have him share his journey, the kinds of things that were most helpful for him, the things that he's been doing that are different, that are working for him. It hopes that you can hear the the things that he's doing so you can implement them in your own life ultimately to find success and growth in this process. I know it can feel very overwhelming and lonely, and depending on what circles you're running in, you might not hear a lot of success stories. So I'm gonna be starting to gather a lot more of these stories. I just think it's valuable to be publishing them and having people share their stories. So this is the beginning of that process, and I'll be having more and more guests on and people who go through my program and clients just to help you know it is 100% possible for you to do this. No matter how difficult and overwhelming the road has been for you, there is hope. And so I'm, I'm happy to introduce Kevin and let you uh, take a listen to see what helped him the most. So you can start to put those things into place in your, in your relationships and in, in your own individual life as well. I am just so grateful for the chance, Kevin, to sit down with you. I, like I was just uh, sharing this with you before we hopped on here. I think it's so, so important when people have a model for success in any aspect of life, I just briefly mentioned to you, I'll just share the story again. There's a a guy named uh, Roger Bannister who was a runner in the fifties who wanted to break the four minute mile because it hadn't been done up at that point. And as many people have had tried doing this, they weren't being, they they never had success in this, but Roger Bannister on one day, I think in like 1953, broke the four minute mile, a four minute mile, which was impossible at the time. And then so interestingly, within 12 months, 23 additional people broke the four minute mile. And it was only because it's not because they became better athletes. Those people had already been running for who knows how long their whole lives, but the belief that it was possible was broken. And so I appreciate you being willing to share your story, your journey, just to help people recognize, like they don't have to deal with this forever and there is a way out and just having you share some things that helped you and hopefully that they can start to implement those things as well. And Get get their life back from this. So thank you so much, genuinely,
1: yeah, I appreciate of it. Of course, of course. I'm I'm excited to 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 be here and be able to share and um be able to be the the runner. I guess. Yes, you know? yeah. <laughs> and we um, need lots more of those. Yeah. So yes, I really appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. For I just sure. would
0: love to have you start off, if you wouldn't mind, just sharing a bit about your journey, just kind of the background and. I know for people when they get first exposed, then just kind of slowly becomes more entrenched and then they try to stop and they feel like they can't. And I just wondered kind of a little bit of background about where your process took you.
1: Um, I, I feel like, um, like if we go way, way back, um, I started watching porn at a very young age. And I think that that's very common with my generation and yep. plenty of generations to come. I feel like it just keeps getting younger and younger. Um, But I, I believe I was around 10 years old whenever I was first expo- exposed to porn. Um, and I had been addicted since. Um, whenever I was initially uh, exposed, I didn't know what to do about it. But then I just kept flashing those images back into my mind. And um, young, curious brains will seek out that. And I created these these patterns and these uh these habits. Um, So I, I feel like it's relevant to talk about my story in regards to my relationship um, with my wife. And so in, in 2017, I met my wife, um, late 2017. And um, of course, just girlfriend at the time. And at this point, I had a full on blown addiction. Um, and there had been times where I'd tried to stop and times where I've been like, ah, no, it's fine. It's just something that I do, whatever. Um, and so I've, I've been conflicted for a long time about it. Um, early into our relationship, I opened up about my porn usage and how I did watch porn and I wanted to know what she thought about it. And she immediately was so supportive. She didn't judge. She didn't um, say anything, but like, she just kind of, she just said, I'm here for you. If this is something that you want to work on, like, I want to work on it. Like, I I don't feel offended by the fact that you watch porn. Like, I don't, I don't take that personally. I, I get that this is a bigger problem than, than us. Um, like this has been with you for years. Um, and so she was very understanding there. Um, and naturally I chose to spend the the rest of the four years in our relationships not opening up to her about it. I I continued to stay in my addiction and um I never opened up to her about it. Um, again, I did the same thing as previous, and I would I would try to get clean and then I'd be okay with it, and then I tried to get clean and I'd be okay with it. And it was very um off and on for a long time. And quick question um, on that if I can, was yeah, a part of yeah. what
0: made it hard to open back up was did she think that you were doing better or you just didn't want to tell her to disappoint her? Or what made it difficult to open up again?
1: I, yeah. So like at this stage in our relationship, it felt like it was just something that we just didn't talk about. So okay. it was like I did have that conversation early on, but it was like I had taken that conversation and just gone yeah. like <laughs> put oh, it we, away. We don't we don't talk about that. Like yeah. you know, like yeah. it was like. Check. We've we've done that. We've handled it. Yeah. Okay. So, at this point, it was there was like there was no communication there, um, good or bad, and she she wouldn't open up. She wouldn't come to me about it and ask about it either. Okay, Um, that makes sense. It was like we both kind of separated from that conversation that we had early on. Um, So anyway, it came. All of this culminated to. of course, like sometimes she would ask and I would say, yeah, I'm good, you know, and lie. Um, but it came to February of 2021 and I was caught. Um, my wife was using my iPad and she saw something that I had been looking at on there. Um, and that deeply hurt her um, because she just all of a sudden didn't know if she could trust me. Um And so that was kind of the first time that I came to grips with, okay, this is a problem. This could have a detriment, detrimental impact on me on my relationship and on uh, my wife as well. Um, And so at that point I realized I needed to kick it into gear and like try to actually beat this addiction. And I tried going to therapy. I tried joining a couple of men's groups Um, and that lasted for mm, i think like until december so i stayed i stayed clean for for a time um but i i relapsed again and almost for all of 2022 i was in that on and again off again situation but my wife this time fully believed that i was clean that mm. i had gone to therapy okay. i was clean i had dealt with all of this stuff we had some tough conversations but this was this was the era where i was in a in the deepest lie um because i had been so open with her for my journey and i was clean for the longest time i had ever been clean which Um, was like how long roughly i think eight ten months somewhere around there um and so I was i was clean for a very long time compared to what i'd ever done and yep. then it happened and the guilt and the shame and everything just built on and i didn't feel like i could go to her um and say it. i i just wanted to perceive help or like have her um think that i was doing better yeah um, and I lived in this lie for so long that eventually I started to justify it to myself that I was like, well, we don't have sex a lot. So this is just my way to, you know, get that out, you know? And so I I made up all of these lies to, um, to justify it. And, um, all of this built up to the second time that I got caught and I had a second phone, that wasn't blocked um that was one thing that we did the previous time we blocked a lot of my access um, because that kind of helped um but again that was always kind of surface level to just block access because I'm going to find a way if I want to sure um and so I I was finding a way and I had a second phone and I she she found it and um that was incredibly painful, um, for her, for me. Um, it, it was, it was, I, I, for the first time in our marriage and in our relationship, I legitimately felt the pit in my stomach. That was me looking at a very real possibility of not being in a relationship anymore. Yeah. Not, not being able to spend the rest of my life with her because of this problem yeah. um, and it was a big deal at that yeah. point and just the hurt on both sides was incredible and I didn't know what to do I tried reaching out to different groups um, a lot of people just didn't reach back out to me so I feel like there's not a huge community um, of of people so that's one thing that I'm grateful for you of. Uh, you were the first person to text me back Um, I was in this era of like, God, where do I go for help? Because I know I knew I needed help. Um, and I, I was looking and looking and looking and finally you, you responded and we had a meeting and we started on your program. Um, and that's where my journey has led me to today's, um, like whenever I started that program. And we'll get, I guess we'll get into the details of like how it went from there, but that's, that's kind of the big picture up to when I, when I started your program, which has been the most successful thing. Um, Glad to hear that. It's, I, I think your story definitely
0: mirrors so many other people where it's, it's caused so much pain in the relationship and you know that you're not trying to hurt your wife. And then when you see the impact it has and the reality of like, this might cause us to not be together anymore there is a real fear a real urgency around this because this isn't something that you wanted to have in your life but it like the urgency increased when you saw the effect it had it sounds like
1: mm, mm-hmm. yeah like whenever you whenever you come face to face with the pain um, yes. that's that's when it it finally clicked for me that i needed to do something about it and i think that like something significant there is that There was there was pain before that, like there was there was plenty of pain that I was numbing out in my addiction, um, that that was just minuscule. It was smaller, and I was numbing out more and more and more. And it took a huge slap in the face for me to realize, oh, like like jump out of it and realize that I had a problem,
0: which I think is true for so many people where without it being so clear the effect that it's having because like you said our like well, you didn't say this part, but like you said how you kind of rationalize or justify our mind mm-hmm. our minds are experts at trying to get out of pain, which is why we have these defense mechanisms of rationalizing or justifying or minimizing it's because if we actually saw the gravity of what the situation was, it would hurt and be so overwhelming. And it sounds like that moment for you is this light switch of like, I have to get this taken care of and then sought help. That was, yeah, I I just think a lot of people can relate to that idea. I was curious just when you were trying on your own, what did you feel like, like, how did you understand? uh, How do I ask this? Like, what did you think the problem was? If it's just like, Oh, if I just did this, it would solve this. Or where did you feel like it
1: stemmed from? Um, A lot of the times whenever I was working on my own, um, I thought it was different things at different times. Um, so I, I would think that it was purely just, um, it was the porn, right? Like I, I am addicted to porn. If I can stop watching porn, then I'll be okay. All right. Stop watching porn. Stop watching porn. Stop watching porn. Stop watching porn. Mm-hmm. I'm just repeating this to myself all the time. Um, and obviously that's not helpful because, um, <laughs> I one, know that, right? yeah. thing, um, to help. And then also I'm thinking about porn all the time, right? So that it doesn't, even if I didn't watch porn, I'm still
0: thinking yes.
1: about something through that lens of like, I have a porn problem, like the whole time. Um, at other times I thought that the problem was, um, with just being addicted to my phone, um, so it wasn't necessarily porn, it was just like me, me feeling like I need to go to my phone. Um, and so I would put my phone away. Um, and so I'm I'm constantly focusing on all right, don't get on your phone, don't get on your phone, don't get on your phone. And so that that was the problem. And then also um I'm religious, I'm Christian. Um, and so I, I would think it's it's Satan tempting me. Mm-hmm. And so I would just be like, all right divert, pray, divert, pray, divert, pray um, and I found that like none of those really helped because they didn't really help me get to the underlying issues that I found that I ended up having a lot of work to do on myself um, like after that. so I guess before getting into the program it it wasn't helpful to, um, to view my porn problem as a porn problem, I guess.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. I think that's such good insight because I don't know, I recently had this idea of like, how, how do I explain this better to people? I think you're, what you're saying is exactly right, where the, the porn is just a symptom. Mm. And unless you know where that's coming from, it's almost like if you have a headache, it could be coming from you know 10 different things. It could be dehydration. It could be like something serious, like a brain tumor pushing against your brain. It could be any number of things, but if you apply a solution to the problem that doesn't exist, like if you're, if you're not actually thirsty, but it's a brain tumor, but you're drinking a bunch of water thinking like, oh, this is going to fix it. And it doesn't, it's just, it's a, I think it's just a misapplication of a strategy. That's just, it, it, it's not addressing why it's happening. So that's why I was curious, just along the way, how you, how you saw that after you started working in the program, what did you start to better understand about what was driving
1: it? That it wasn't actually yeah. just, it wasn't a porn problem it was something else. Yeah, so um, I think I think if I try to be kind of succinct with my journey, there, there are so many different things that I learned about myself through through like in the past five months, um, and if I were to kind of put them into two categories, um, one of them is I have I've had really really bad um, what's what's the word that I'm looking for. Um, like a view of myself, um, self-confidence, Okay, Um, uh, really bad self-confidence issues. Um, and if you, if you talk to anybody that I know, nobody's going to say that, uh, like, Oh, he he seems confident. He's fine. Um, but like so much of my, of my actions and my behaviors, um, in my day-to-day life were because of a lack of confidence. Um, so that's one area that I realized I, I didn't have Um, and I, I believe I had so many negative beliefs about myself because of that. I I thought like, I'm a failure. I can never see anything through. That was a big deal for me. I, that I could never see anything through. That was one of the biggest hurdles I had to get over. Hmm. Um, and then the other area that I've improved a lot or really just changed a lot is my view of intimacy and what intimacy looks like in my relationship. And I've learned so much, um, about what intimacy looks like and what it should look like, and not this pre programmed notion of, well, intimacy is penetrative se- sex all the time, right? Um, right. all of media and all of porn pushes onto you for eternity, yeah. Um, yeah. um th- those are two areas, uh, that I that I um had the most growth in, I think, were um. Like in those two areas. So I think
0: which is such like those are such fundamental things, right? Intimacy and relationship. It's not just like it's not just sex. Like it's not just intercourse. Mm -hmm. There's so many other aspects of that. And then the other side of it is like how you saw yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like so many people walk around with these negative beliefs, not even necessarily being fully aware of what they are and why they feel them, but they still have a big influence on how we like how we feel and how we react to situations and ways that we cope. If there's just kind of this underlying noise there, we don't, we don't like how that feels. We want to get away from that. I'd love to have you share just even a little bit more about just maybe the first category, or I guess, yeah, uh, yeah. The first one, as far as like self-esteem, mm-hmm. what do you, you said it was just like noticing or starting to become aware of how you saw yourself, which was can't see anything through or mm-hmm. being a failure. What was helpful for you to start to unwind these beliefs? Cause I feel like so many people can relate to that.
1: Yeah. Well, I feel like the first step was like just realizing how I have those beliefs. Like I would I would start looking at like how I would react to different things in my in my everyday life. And I would realize, oh, why am I taking that for so- Well, what do I believe about myself that leads me to that action? And so much of it was like, Well, I'm a failure. I, I can't see things through. And so, um, and like for example, um, just with my porn addiction in general, um, that was probably the biggest thing that I felt like I couldn't really see things through. So, um, because I've tried so many times, I don't know how many times I tried to stop porn um, and it, I just went back to it. Um, or in my relationship, uh, I, I used to write my wife these little letters um, and I would write her one every single day and there were just short little stupid things you know mm-hmm. um or like there were all of these like little little self improvement things that i would do over the course of 3 weeks working out right um i would i would work out for 3 weeks and it got to the point where while i was in this journey of recovery i i mentioned to my wife that i was going to go work out um and she said well <laughs> let's see how long that lasts and instantly i was like "Oh, it hurts
0: right hurts. Yeah, yeah yeah it hurts
1: and um so like we had this big discussion about about me and about how how she perceives me and how i perceive myself and how like i had this big issue about how i didn't really see anything through now was she completely wrong to say that let's see how long that lasts i mean maybe it's a little bit blunt but um i think that she was perfectly justified like i i had definitely had a lot of issues with doing things and sticking to them and like so much of my recovery was like there was this lingering belief about myself that well you you can't do it you can't do it you can't you can't stick to working out you can't stick to writing notes to her you can't stick to staying clean from porn um you can't stick to it because you've never stuck to anything in your life and so my wife and i had this big long talk about how she wants to she wants to support me um like like she wants to to be able to call me out whenever i'm not living up to that standard um but of course she wants me to um she doesn't want to belittle me. And so I found that like, she can talk to me in that way and kind of call me out on some of these things. Um, but the the main issue there was my belief about myself because that's what made it hurt the most hmm. was that I believed it about myself, in my opinion. Like, um, so to kind of get over the hill, it sounds simple, but I just started drinking two glasses of water every day in the morning um and it was just something simple that i knew i could do um and i started doing it and over and over and over and over and a big thing that i had to learn was that okay a day comes by i don't have water in my glass um or whatever happens i'm in a rush and i forget um I just start over the next day. Like it's, it's not a big deal. Like I I mess up, like I'm going to move on. I'm going to keep on this track um, because I'm doing a whole lot better. Um, And so just getting over that feeling of I'm not enough and um, this, this idea that I can't see anything through with just one simple thing every day. Um, really helped me to see, oh, I can see things through, I can do these things. And even if I don't, like I can just, I can just get back on it. Right. Um, So that kind of helped me to kind of create a parallel of something that I can do. So that way I can prove to myself my worth and that I can do it. um, And that I can do that with my porn addiction as well. That
0: makes sense. yeah I think that those are two such good principles there's an author who I really like his name's James clear and I've talked about him before on you know different podcasts and things that I do and he talks about something similar that when you want to like the deepest level of change that occurs is on our identity level because yeah. when you see yourself as the kind of person who does this or doesn't do this the identity like I don't know uh, do you smoke cigarettes
1: no no.
0: So if somebody were to offer you, Hey, do you want to have a cigarette? It's free. Or like, I'll even give you a dollar if you have one. Would that even be anything for you?
1: No, it's like, no, thanks. Yeah, I'm good. Like, I'm good
0: yeah. Right. Cause the identity, if you're a non-smoker, that's just not what you do. Then it doesn't really matter. Like, it doesn't matter how much pressure somebody applies. Like, no, I just, I don't smoke. I'm not the kind of person that does that. And I think one of the suggestions that he gives is what you just said to develop and a new identity. One of the ways to do this is to cast a vote through your actions in favor of the person that you want to become. So, like you said, it's something as small as two glasses of water. The principle is such: it's not about the water. It's not about it. Might be ten push-ups. Like it could literally be anything, but the fact that you're saying I can follow through, and this is how I'm going to do that, it starts to cast this vote and shape how you see yourself. In that, I, I can follow through because I'm doing it in this way. Then you can mm-hmm. layer on things on top of that, which is great. I think that's one solid principle. The other one is uh I think that underpins everything is our self-talk. And you mm-hmm. just barely touched on how when you did miss a day, did you do you feel like in the past? Because I remember like on our initial session, I was a big part of what I wanted to make sure that we touched on and processed through is like our the self-talk, the negative beliefs, how you how you made missing a day like what it meant meant i'm a failure if i miss a day i'm a failure if i miss a day or if i slip up i'm a bad person i think so many people struggle with uh like conflating i'm a bad person with a mistake
1: mm.
0: really mistakes mm-hmm. and, and and who we are our identity our worth rather like they're totally separate yeah uh, i wonder I if i could that, have you speak to that
1: yeah yeah like one of the biggest things that i i remember hearing you say um like several times throughout like our meetings and everything was um the fact that if you make a mistake and you think i'm a bad person the fact that you kind of created that judgment um and you feel bad about it is evidence that you are a good person because you are feeling bad about it so like it's natural to have like a bit of that guilt um but the guilt is different from the shame like the so um, like it doesn't affect who you are. You can still be that person who wants to, um, to be free from porn. You can still have that those goals and fall short sometimes. Um, and it's not, I'm not saying that to like be permissible and say, right, right. oh, yeah, like, ooh, you can do it every it Thursday, no. you know, whatever, you know, you can just <laughs> do it for six days of the week. No, it's, it's not like that. Um. It's it's just giving yourself the grace. Um, life is hard, like, um, and and we're trying to be better, like, like. So just just give yourself that grace in that moment, and um, and move on, because the alternative is so much worse. Um, the alternative is you you don't give yourself the grace, and you start to feel bad about it. Well, what do people who feel bad do? They try to numb out. And what do you do to numb out? Watch porn. So um it's it's trying to get yourself out of that cycle. It's giving yourself the grace because the grace is what's gonna help you get out of it. Um not because the grace is permissing or like permissing you to, yes. to do what you want.
0: See, that's so it's so counterintuitive, but like that's one of the tenets of the way that I like to work with people is mm. aim breeds more escaping and avoiding if i mm-hmm. see myself as a bad person that's so pain nobody wants to see themselves as a bad person or a failure or worthless and so it's it doesn't make sense in our, to sense in our logical mind well if you feel bad because you watched this and then you go and watch it because you feel bad it's like well how does that make sense well the reality is like it doesn't make logical sense because in our emotion when we're in pain we're in our protection Mm-hmm. That's how you're using if, if that becomes like a form of uh, like if this avoidance becomes a form of protection or, to, or a way to soften your pain, it there's all these you know there's all this evidence that shows you this doesn't actually work, but when we're triggered, we're not thinking logically. Mm-hmm. So we get mm-hmm. stuck in that loop. I don't know if you could even describe your kind of experience with that as like if you knew this intellectually already, if there was anything in particular that helped you kind of sink that in further because I think that's where a lot of people
1: yeah. feel stuck. Yeah. I think that this, and this also leads me to my like second growth point of like intimacy, because all of these, any moment where you feel tempted or that you do slip, um, it creates a moment where you get to be vulnerable with your partner. Um, and that's a great way to frame it. Um, I had two slips early on in the, in the first couple of months of being in the program. Um, and the first one Regrettably, I had to be asked about it, and then I, I came forward. Um, but then the second one, I came forward on my own. Um, but those those moments where you get to because the the fear is whenever you slip that okay, I slipped. Now if I tell her, she's going to be horribly hurt. She's going to be mad. She's going to lash out at me. She's blah 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 blah. Right? I'm going to feel bad. This is going to be bad. It creates a great opportunity for you to get closer by opening up and to, for you to get better by seeing, by being honest with yourself and say, okay, I slipped. What led me to that? And talking through that, um, not just with yourself, because if you try to do that with yourself a lot, it's hard. (laughs) It's hard because you, you start justifying. You're like, well, I was really stressed. And, uh, and you don't really talk these things through. So you just kind of like get bored and then you get sidetracked with something else. Yes. But if you make, if you're intentional and you talk to someone or you talk to your uh, significant other um, about it, then that creates the space for you to be vulnerable and for you to learn about yourself um, by expressing what you felt led to it. And then you can also like your partner's there to help you. I, I
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) like They always are. Um, Your partner is there to help you and they want to help you. So like just opening up to them gives them that space to be able to like say, oh, well, what can we do to, to minimize this trigger or to deal with this trigger in a different way? And what I found is that most of the time it was just not being in touch with how I was feeling were my biggest triggers. Like if I was tired, (laughs) Sorry. Um, If I was tired, um, if I was stressed, um, if I was frustrated, um, all of these different things, um, or if I was just in general sad, um, anxious, any of these negative emotions, I would want to numb out and I would immediately turn to my phone and uh, look at something that will uh, make me not feel that way. Um, imagine that, (laughs) um, I I found that like I got to be a lot more attuned to the way that I'm feeling and I got to, um, be more intimate with my wife in that way where she knows how I'm feeling more on a day-to-day basis. And I know how I'm feeling on a day-to-day basis early on in the program. Like I didn't know, like how I was doing you know like it was always just it's like you're numbing everything out so it's like not good yes yes i think it's common i think exactly
0: (laughs) (laughs) which i think so many people do so many people do and we all have just like different ways of distracting ourselves like you said whether it's like music or just scrolling social media or food or watching tv like there's so many different ways we just kind of avoid And you don't think about what's going on. So I I think that's such a key skill that you really worked hard on is to develop this awareness of like, what am I feeling? Because once you're, this is going back to what I said earlier, once you know what's going on, you can address the need and get it met in the way that it's, you know, in the way that it actually helps. Mm. If you're tired, for example, the need isn't to stay up and watching, you know, watch another show. The Mm. need isn't to like, I need to unwind and watch a show or pick up my phone. The need is like, I need to go to sleep right now. And once you do, you get that need met, you just feel better in the morning. Or if the need is, you know, I had a disagreement with my wife, I need to clear this up and make sure we can reconnect. It could be it could be anything, but I think it all becomes clear once you develop that skill of being able to be aware of what it actually even is.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Do you Absolutely. feel like the work that you did, how like how do you feel like this, the inner work of changing beliefs? developing new identity, being more intimate with your wife, how do you feel like that started to then influence the triggers? So as yeah. far as the triggers go, like we will still experience stress and loneliness and boredom. Yeah. and frustration. I was just wondering if you felt like the work that you've done influences you, the ability to navigate your triggers differently. Can you maybe describe what do you notice is different now with how you hmm. respond to those?
1: Well, the biggest difference I think is that I notice them, and I don't just immediately just like run straight to the way that I cope um but then once I notice them it's it's nice to be able to go to my wife and like talk about it um and that more so than like her being helpful, it's mostly she's there to just me to just like like speak to her and yes. essentially bounce all of my ideas off of her and see what sticks Yes. Um, and see like, of course she has like great ideas, um, too, but, um, like just being aware of the triggers is, I don't know that like, that's like the biggest step for me. That's like the biggest difference for me is that I'm aware of them. Um, and I don't just automatically run to, um, something else I
0: guess which is huge yeah. can you maybe just because there's a lot of guys that are married and who might not be using the relationship as a resource quite yet
1: mm-hmm.
0: can you describe what's something that you might notice like if you feel a trigger whether it's tired or 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 stressed or whatever like what what do you notice on the inside what's happening for you and then what kinds of things do you share with your wife to help to kind of recenter because I think that's such an important skill to learn.
1: Mm-hmm. Um. So, so with my work, I I get really anxious a lot, and then I've also been asked to do more work recently, um, and that creates kind of a lot of um, doubt within myself that um, that I'm qualified or that um, that I can do what I'm being asked to do. Uh, all of these added responsibilities, um, and where I might have gone to. Um, gone just tried to numb it out and not think about it uh, in the past i i found that like opening up to my wife about just that or really just anything but like um for example whenever i go to my wife i would uh essentially say something along the lines of um like hey I've been anxious, essentially what I just said to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been anxious about this, this and this, and she'll tell me all the reasons why I'm being ridiculous and how Mm -hmm. I'm qualified and how I have a master's degree and like all this stuff. She'll remind me of my worth. Um, And she's, she's absolutely fantastic. But like that alone, it, it puts me in a better, in a much better space than any, any sort of numbing could do. And I'm not just talking about porn. Like, any sort of numbing. Sometimes, um, I've found myself that I do a lot of different numbing behaviors. Um, so like I will either shut down and not talk to her, um, or I will, um, go eat just a whole lot. Like, I don't know. I'll, I'll find like a bunch of random chores to do, um, that don't really need to be done. Um, but like it, it's something that's like compulsive and like something that I, 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 found it's your mind off of the thing though right if
0: I go and do the kitchen and wipe the counter yeah yes
1: it's it's my mind releasing from it and like the biggest thing that I've found helps me is to is to talk about it because that puts me in a much better space afterward to actually fix the problem at hand yes Uh, and just having someone to talk with is the biggest resource um, I,
0: I just, I cannot so emphasize that enough. That's okay. so important. And I feel like that's literally the, re- the the number one reason why I started the podcast in the first place was because so many people encourage this independent, you do your thing, she does mm-hmm. her thing, like, well, yes, there's value. And of course, doing individual work, and I'm totally a fan of that. I, I think, the resource that most people miss out on is number one, learning the skill of how to open up, how to be vulnerable. And number two, Mm -hmm. building their relationship and themselves as they open up. So I I just really, really appreciate what you're sharing because that skill that you worked really hard to develop is one of the biggest resources that anybody could have. Whether they're married or not, it's the idea of opening up and sharing. If you're married, you have a kind of like a built-in person who you can open up to. And I think just by virtue of doing that, it changes how we experience a situation i know we're using the word trigger for like anxious or stress or you know uh something that's going on like those Mm -hmm. are experiences that we all have and they don't go away right we're gonna have overwhelming times we're gonna feel afraid sometimes we're gonna feel like man can i really do this the key though is how do we respond to those does it pull us Mm -hmm. back into these old patterns where we avoid an escape. And sometimes it might, where we just kind of go and, like you said, clean the counters and get some food and kind of take our mind off of it. But it doesn't, the work that you've done is being able to disassociate that from pornography. So that that's no longer this thing where you're able to navigate this in a different way and have really, really healthy ways of, of dealing with those situations to help pull you out of that cycle in the first place.
1: I, I did have like one more thing. I kind of wanted yeah, to share. Please. Of course. Um, it, it's, I guess it's kind of related, um, but it's just the way that my view on um, intimacy has changed through yeah. through the program. Um, and I, I I heard somebody talk about this the other day, and um, it kind of really summarized everything that I had, like all the all the growth that I've had. Um, so what they said is that oftentimes, um, whenever one partner in a relationship is, um, is like, I guess, sexually frustrated um, and isn't having a se- sex as much as they would like to be. Um, oftentimes they're view- viewing themselves as the natural one, the, the one who has the, the healthy desire and the other person as um, the one who needs to want it more or they're the problem. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you look at a similar situation, um, let's say for alcohol, drinking alcohol. So if having sex is getting drunk, um, then like if you want to get drunk all the time, five nights a week, it's, it's more so like the, the pressure that you might put on the other person. Um, so like the, like you might want, the other person might want to have a drink every now and then, um, but maybe not just get drunk. Um, or the other person might after some time think, well, I can't even have like a glass of wine with you because you're going to want to get drunk every single time. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, there's probably been times in your life where you enjoyed having a glass of wine or having a beer or something like this. And that's kind of the same as like, there's probably times in your life where you've enjoyed holding hands or just cuddling or kissing for the sake of kissing mm-hmm. and not wanting the whole damn pie every single time you get to yeah. it. Um, and, and so like, it's, it's, it makes you miss out on so much if all you're focused on is the porn, which pushes this idea that like sex and intimacy is sex. Um, yep. And and that's it. Um, it's like, it's like they're pushing the fact that like, or this idea that getting drunk is the only way to drink. And if you're not getting drunk, you're not drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, after I've learned how much bigger intimacy is than that, um, it's, it's like, I don't know, it, it's led me to a place where I'm a lot more fulfilled on a on a day-to-day
0: basis that's great that's such a good way to put that because you're right there are so many different aspects to a relationship yeah and when people are exposed to pornography and that's what they're watching that's the kind of content that they're seeing it shapes how we view sex and relationships where it becomes more one-dimensional it's like this is the pinnacle when Mm -hmm. in reality there are so many aspects that we miss out on if that's the only thing, if we're me- if that's all we're measuring is like, are we having enough sex? And if not, then I'm pissed or I'm resentful. Mm. We are, then I'm happy. But the reality is, like you just said, like a, a, something as simple as affection or sitting next to each other on the couch, on the couch or kissing or just talking or spending right. time, yeah. going on a date, being outside. There are so many things that we can do that help us to feel connected to our spouse. And until that's that idea is recalibrated, it's really easy to get stuck on the frequency of sex in a week. And if it doesn't meet my expectation, then I'm resentful. I I, I think you're speaking to mm-hmm. something that I feel like people can benefit from, right? No judgment. Like if that's where people kind of feel like they the paradigm is right now, but I really like how you're helping expand the idea. Like for you, it sounds like you felt more joy in the relationship, more
1: fulfillment, yeah. having yeah. that
0: expanded more.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like hundred <laughs> um, percent. And it doesn't create it creates a whole lot less pressure um which is a big big trigger for my wife um like if she feels um pressured to have to put out or whatever you know like once a week twice a week or whatever like the problem is me the problem is me wanting to get drunk all the time um but like Like, does my wife want to get drunk? Absolutely. Like, she wants to get drunk, but she doesn't want to feel, like, pressured into getting drunk because I have this need where I need to get drunk once a week or twice a week or whatever, you know? Yep. Um, And how do you fix this problem? Open your mind and open your heart up to these other forms of affection. And most of that work is done for you in the program, just by being open and vulnerable. Um, that is the biggest piece of intimacy for our relationship that is like our gauge to see like how well we're doing. Is like, are we talking? Um, and, and I don't know, like everything else kind of falls in place. If we like know how, how each other are, how we are, um, and we're opening up to each other. Um, and we're not, retreating away from each other um if we're being open and honest about how hard life is sometimes um that's the biggest thing that drives us together yes Um,
0: which i really i appreciate the fact that you're emphasizing that because i just find that when people learn those skills and can have those conversations can understand how they feel can start to process these beliefs about themselves including their spouse in that process truly everything can change for somebody And so I think you're hitting the nail on the head with some like really key things that I hope other people, as they hear this, they're like, okay, I need to start focusing on this too. I need to start focusing on these, how I'm seeing myself. I need to start focusing on building this intimacy with my wife, sharing, understanding how I'm feeling, working with those things. So I can solve this issue instead of thinking, like you said, in the beginning, it's not, it's not a porn problem. It's there's stuff underneath the surface that you're trying to distract Mm -hmm. yourself from Mm -hmm. by addressing those things directly then the, it's, it, the porn can almost take care of itself in so many instances because you're handling the stress and the anxiousness and the worries so differently that it doesn't pull you back into that old pattern.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Any last thoughts? I really appreciate your willingness to be here and just sharing the success that you've had with this. Anything else that you might share with somebody who might be at the beginning phase of this? Thinking like I'll never be able to get past this. I keep struggling. You've already shared so many important things. So I just wonder if there's any other last little takeaways you might want somebody to know.
1: Yeah, um, just just you being here and you listening to this. Um, feel good about yourself. Like you, you're on the right track. Um, you like you got a lot of work ahead of you um but that is a big it's 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 a challenge and it's something to do it's not um like you don't have to think of it as i don't have to prove to myself using the fact that i can be clean from porn to say that i'm enough like i'm going to be good enough once i get clean from porn i'm good enough now like that's, like <laughs> i i just want to improve on where I'm at. And I think that that's a great place to be is wanting to improve. And that alone, the willingness to improve the willingness to learn about yourself and to learn about your spouse and to improve on a problem that is evidence enough that you're enough and that you are a good person and that you, um, you want to, you want to be the best version of yourself, I guess. Yeah.
0: yeah. Which I think is such a huge piece of encouragement
1: because yeah. it's so
0: easy to get down on ourselves and think like, oh, I keep making mistakes and I'm not enough. I'm trying, but it's not good enough. It's so easy to get looped into that discouragement and to feel overwhelmed and like I'm not making any progress. But I really like that idea of you don't have to do anything to be enough. Those yeah. are not the same continuum. You're already enough. And it's exciting to keep improving and becoming the best version of yourself because it feels good to align with ourselves at our core. And becoming and developing these qualities that we value, not for the purpose of being enough, but just it, it creates more fulfillment and excitement and joy in life when we actually can more fully align with who we would like to be and how we would like to be with other right. people. So I again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for your willingness to share. This is such a beneficial thing to hear people who have gone through the process, have come out with these new understandings, new ways of looking at things, new way of responding and being. And I just, yeah, it it goes such a long way. Thank you all so much for listening. If you're interested in getting some hands-on help, just like Kevin, and you find yourself having struggled for a long, long time, please know you don't have to do this alone. And if you're interested in the possibility of us working together so I can help you implement these tools and customize them to your situation, I'd love to be in your corner and support you and fight with you and help you get past this issue once and for all. So if you're interested, you can just send me an email at sam at I'd love to support you to help you get past this for good once you get the right tools and the direction that you need to solve the underlying issue so you truly can leave this problem behind you.